Hola, hola, chicas, chicos. They, them, her, she, ella, él, everyone. Feliz Año Nuevo. And it's been quite a great year, Rita. I would say it's been a great year. 2022 was a great year. It was a great year. I think, you know, the, the work that has been put for so many years by so many people paid off in 2022. And mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing, I think we're all in like uncharted territory right now. Like we've never <laughs> been here. We've never been this strong. We've never been this united. We've never yeah. been this loud. We've never been this organized. We've never been yeah. this successful. And so now what we do is, you know, anyone's guess and everyone's chance to like be part of. So, yeah. yeah. And so it's for those of you that may not know, much like many other areas and other counties in California or other states, we were looking at gerrymandered districts. So yeah. uh, intentional, ger- intentionally hard to win district areas for them more progressive candidates Mm -hmm. and even in the midst of that we saw a lot of success and even if it meant winning by 13 votes which was bruce gibson for the supervisor race literally won by 13 votes and i think once again rita that we saw in this specific situation that there were a group of people that challenged the results and asked yeah. for a recount of votes. Yeah, so that's what has been happening this last month. Uh, Supervisor Gibson's election was certified with 13 votes ahead that happened end of December. Sorry, end of December? Oh, we're January. I don't know. Sometime in December. Yeah, maybe beginning of December. Towards the end. I mean, I think what we heard that they had stopped counting, I think, this week. So, yeah. So, December 8th, I believe, is when the election results were certified. And after that, uh, anyone can ask for a recon, I guess. And so, someone that doesn't even live in the district, you don't even go here. (laughs) You didn't even get a chance to vote. Yeah. You didn't even sit down. Sit down. But someone wanted to call for a recount, and they were going to pay for it, and... Uh, the recount started. It was going to be like a, a manual recount. And what ended up happening is that after, I believe, three or four days of recounting the ballots, they noticed that there were absolutely no changes from the original results. So they decided to cancel the recount and um, not challenge it uh, that way anymore. So that means that Supervisor Gibson won by 13 votes from like thousands and thousands of votes. So if anyone that lives in District 2 here in San Luis Obispo County, if you voted, your vote really did make a difference. And that was the only seat that we were waiting for um, to hear from. And that was the seat that ended up flipping the San Luis Obispo County Board of Provisors. Yeah, <laughs> so there, there is a new board majority. The new board was uh, sworn in, yeah, on January 3rd, um, just this morning. And it was, yeah, there was so, so many people present at the ceremony, um, so many people that helped yeah. this this happen for so many years that, yeah, yeah I think years. everyone was happy, yeah. Years. Yeah, so I think Supervisor that's... Paulding, who ran in 2018, mm-hmm. lost by 65 votes to Lynn Compton, ran again in 2022, and now this time he won by 600 votes. Uh, Supervisor Ortiz-Leck, who had been appointed, ran, won her election back in June. Supervisor Gibson won the runoff in November. So, yeah, yeah three to two majority, blue majority. 
And it just comes to show that um, that compound effect of just labor upon labor upon labor, it will yeah. pay off. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah. and I think there were so many people compelled to really show up and support these two candidates and yeah. um, congratulations to everyone that worked tirelessly to make yeah. sure that these results happened and that we're just really consistent with making sure that we had a board that represented San Luis Obispo County. So huge shout out to that. Yeah. And on a national level too, Rita, I mean, I think a lot of folks thought the Dems were going to get slaughtered. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what was gonna happen? And uh, I would say very, very well at the end of the day, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, I think, as bad as maybe some had thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been quite an interesting time. And I think at the end of the day, we also have to give a shout out to all the organizers across the nation, all the activists, all the grassroots organizing that created that ripple on a national level yeah. that, you know, we saw a lot of folks coming out to vote because there was just too much on the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we hear that every with every election that is just the most important election of your lifetime. And it'll probably be for the next, who knows, 50 years. So mm -hmm. we just got to continue coming out and vote uh hopefully it's easy in your state but i've seen like states like georgia for example i have friends mm -hmm. who just moved there and they were sharing pictures and just how the process of voting was there for them versus you know their experience here in california and they had to wait in line for like an hour you know sometimes if you you have to wait under the rain or mm -hmm. with like bad weather conditions and you there was a law i think that you can't give someone in line any water and you know they they y'all voter suppression is real and the voting rolls are like updated so you just have to check if you're actually registered or where mm -hmm. you're registered every single time it's not it's not like in california that you register once and now you're getting your ballot mailed to so, your house so for everyone that has a young person in their life or a friend that says i don't vote because it doesn't matter if you have people that are waiting in long lines that are not even if if the the powers that be won't even allow for someone to hand out food yeah. or water that should let you know something right yeah it, even with the same deal with the census right having yeah. tr president trump discourage certain groups from being counted yeah. in the census that has a ripple effect to how things yeah. are going to be represented on a national level and local level so yeah. please 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 if you're able to vote do it it's and if you're able to convince someone to vote mm -hmm. or to help someone vote, mm -hmm. because I get it. Sometimes you get those ballots and it's like, you know, pages long of information and you're like, what is this proposition about? Mm -hmm. And But you don't have to vote on everything, but it is important that you make your voice heard as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you need help, ask for help. If you can help someone else, um, mm -hmm. do that. But yeah, you were saying that there was a huge expectation for uh, this red wave that didn't happen. <laughs> um, all fluff. Yeah, all, <laughs> all talk. Um, and uh, that didn't happen. And actually, there was a lot of talk about a lot of theories about how Latinos were going, were shifting mm -hmm. Republican around the nation. And I think that happened only in Florida. Everywhere else, it stayed pretty strongly Democrat. Um, and so we wanted to kind of break down the results from the midterms on specifically on how Latinos voted, the data that we're seeing uh, 
from the, the November elections and what we're thinking around that vote and that data. And um, also just making sure that everyone understands that when we talk about the Latino vote, you have to really understand where you're talking about, like what, like what's the geographical context, the yeah. cultural context of the Latino vote, and and not overgeneralize. And I think it's also really important to to say, even though we're two chicas políticas, um, that are probably, I think it's clear if you're listening to this podcast, we're not Republican, we're not conservative, <laughs> we um, are not Republicans. <laughs> so, and this, I think this is important to say, Rita, too, is look. We as as a Latino, Hispanic, Latinx, whatever you want to call us, Cuban, Mexican, Mexican American, American, whatever you want to label us, right? Because we are we we go beyond those labels. Yeah. Um we're we're allowed to think differently. We're allowed yeah. to we're we're not a cookie cutter group, a demographic of people. Um, uh, but there's a lot to say about the Latino vote that it's so important. We're one of the fastest growing groups in this country. We have a large group of young people, which means young voters. And we're also moving up the ranks. When I say moving up the ranks is that uh, we're seeing Latinos being business owners, have yeah. pursuing higher education, pursuing political roles, um, being concerned about social economic uh, situations such as inflation, for example, right? And so we are this interesting group to watch because I I really do feel that Latino, the Latino vote is going to be a deciding factor um, moving forward. And it, yeah. in some ways it already has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like you mentioned, we we had an episode where we broke down the census results around around Latinos. And we talked then that, you know, in the coming years, the Latino vote was going. There's so many young Latinos that if we're not talking to them right now, mm-hmm. then it's, you know, a, a missed opportunity. Right. And hopefully this podcast fills in that gap for, mm-hmm. for that population. So if you know someone that's like a young Latino, that's somewhat interesting in either their local government or civics or just into podcasts like yeah share this podcast with them yeah that'd be really helpful yeah so we're gonna dive into overall the data um Yesenia and I were talking about it before the pod- podcast started but we're gonna share some of our thoughts so overall in the last 10 years Latino vote has been uh increasing on the Republican side uh, not dramatically but it still has been increasing since 2012 the Latino vote went from 27% Republican to 39% that's 12% increase um and it kind of has changed um has stayed around the 60% uh 60 67 71% um democratic so currently in 2022 we are 60% Democrat, 39% Republican. Um, so it's, there's still a strong uh, percentage of Latino voters who are still um, identifying themselves as Democrats versus Republican, but that numbered, um, that gap is definitely closing in. Yeah, and definitely, I think what's been really interesting too, which I think, I think we'll always remember it to be the Trump era, right, Rita, where yeah. we just saw even like Latinos for Trump. I mean, I even heard the little jingle uh, that Trump did, which was very popular in Florida, which says the uh, ay 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 por Dios, <laughs> yo voy a votar por Donald Trump, and it's oh and gosh. it's one of those things where um you know we're we're a very special population of people, yeah. and 
at the end of the day, I think uh, messaging is really, really important, which we're realizing. And I think whether you you loved or hated Trump, there was something about Trump that really stimulated Latinos in this country. Yeah. And, you know, there is a, um, a big investment from the Republican Party, especially since the Trump administration, since the Trump first Trump campaign um, on uh states where there's a lot of Latino population, like Florida, for example, Republicans have been investing there for years where Democrats knew that that was probably not going to be one of those states that they flipped. Uh, so they focused on a different state. But um, so the results are just, you know, not a shocking result. Yeah. Uh, but in general, you know, we have seen um, there's a, a CNN House exit poll that asks uh, Latino voters how they identify themselves when it comes to their ideology. ideology. And 31% of them said that they identify themselves as liberal, while 42% said they identified as moderate and 28% as conservative. So there's a lot of Latinos right in between of what you consider liberal and conservative. And I even, you know, and that's really important to draw to Rita because when I hear that middle of moderate I'm also hearing um, I am a person of faith I am religious for example yeah um, I am Catholic but yeah. I can still be pro-choice yeah right I am I am Catholic and I I am for um, immigrants right and so I think that's that's really important to distinguish and the language and also the messaging which is what you're, you're pointing out is that you know there there is a lot of propaganda that is very very specific mm -hmm. about making it very black and white I don't yeah. think Latinos are black and white I think yeah. we're ambiguous shades of all different yeah. kinds of gray um, yeah. but this <laughs> is the reality is that we have to be cautious of what news outlets we are listening to what are the politician politicians that we are buying into, right? For example, you have someone like Donald Trump that was very clear that he was anti-immigrant. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think as a community, we have to be mindful of, of, you know, if we want immigration reform, what does it look like? Building a wall and calling immigrants to be rapists, cartels, all of these things is not appropriate, right? Like that doesn't bring resolution to yeah. a political climate. And it doesn't speak to those to those uh, Latino moderates, right? Even if you're like hardcore conservative or hardcore Republican, you're probably not going to identify yourself with any language that is uh, discriminatory or that uh, tries to uh, drive people towards extremes, like mm -hmm. what we saw with Donald Trump, not only on immigration, but um, really everything. And we're really seeing it too now, Rita, with the LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. um, conversations, right? Mm -hmm. We're hearing um, language such as um, pedophiles, grooming, yeah. or, um, you know, if, if you believe in trans rights, that you are grooming, that you are a pedophile, that yeah. you are trying to brainwash children and being mm -hmm. part of this terrible agenda, which look, as two women that are progressive, that are um, believers of many things, I can say <laughs> Rita and I, as, as well as many other people that are for trans folks, uh, we're not we're not for the pedophile agenda, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, that's not, that's not what we're talking I, about. I think here. we're clarifying really important things today. We're not Republicans and we're not for the pedophile agenda. So Absolutely not. <laughs> and you have to, and, and you know, that, that's one of the things that unfortunately 
uh, you have to be very cautious with language and messaging, mm-hmm. which I personally feel the Republicans are intentional, right? They want to get yeah. the feathers ruffled to say, yeah. look, if you start making, if you start passing laws that are pro-health for specifically transgendered people, then what's next, right? You're going to yeah. allow a Slippery child, slow. right? And, and that's <laughs> not the reality. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, many Latino families, which I know I've seen because of my personal relationships with so many people, mm-hmm. we all so we all have someone queer in our family. Yeah. We have someone trans in our yeah. family. Like, Leo, Latia. Yeah. Like, you know, these are all realities. And I yeah. think that's one thing that I am proud that I see for Latino uh, families with that, that once upon a time, I think these were all taboo subjects. Yeah. And that it did bring even possible shame mm-hmm. to our families. But I'm seeing more and more uh, Latino families embrace yeah. um, diversity, embrace. Especially here community. in the U.S. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think I think it's important to to acknowledge, OK, so we have Latinos who clearly are not identifying as conservative conservative nor left-leaning liberals right Mm -hmm. they're in the middle yeah they're more nuanced it seems like they they are that swing vote uh, overall right we're talking like overall in the whole country um and they're they are in a way um thinking about the issues in the more uh, complex way than just black or white. For example, uh, interestingly enough, this same CNN House exit poll showed that one the top three or the top five issues for Latinos were abortion, because mm-hmm. everyone was talking about abortion when mm-hmm. the November election happened. Um, so they're following the overall national topics. Inflation, also very much in the news, very much present, very much, you know, everywhere for us when you go to supermarket they're they're paying attention the the latinos are not uh excluded from the everyday issues um crime is another thing against top of the news so they're following the same topics that are being shown in the news uh to anyone else immigration was fourth and gun policy was fifth so um there are a lot of things that latinos uh care about that are not necessarily what uh people in general might think Latinos care about the most. So um actually actually 75% of Latinos said that they thought abortion should be legal. And a lot of those mentioned those nuances of like for sure if there's rape, for sure if there's incest, for sure mm-hmm. in all of these cases. And but a big majority of them supported a woman's right to choose. So and I think the messaging is really important. So I encourage all of you Latinos that do go out to a Planned Parenthood event or are, um, we know, you know, uh, what is it? February is Women's Month that you do say Latinos, Latinos pro-choice, yeah. right? Latinos for for social economic justice, right? Yeah. Um, making it very clear because I think if you, if you don't know any better, you're going to assume that Latinos are um, either going to be pushing more conservative and clearly I think uh, as a country we're starting to see okay as the parties sometimes it does feel like things are leaning more like the Republicans are getting more extreme and then I hear the Republicans speak and they say well you know those Dems they're so liberal right and it's like the the pendulum is swinging to extremes yeah but then somewhere you you we don't want to lose that those people in the middle read that because I really do feel like that is going to be the divide the the future of our nation. And I think for Latinos is, you know, we are, 
growing. And the reality is we, we need to be involved in politics at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that was a conversation that you and I were having is, okay, how can we have more Latinos involved in politics and not just, I'm not talking, Hey, let's, let's get candidates to run. I'm saying, let's get Latinos to be part of um, campaigns. Let's get Latinos to be part of the communication strategies for campaigning. Let's get Latinos to have more roles in uh, the capital, right? Let's have more Latinos be leading uh, local Dem clubs. Uh, Let's have Latinos be leading more in, for example, Planned Parenthood or, um, you know, Moms moms Against Gun Violence, right? Having Latinos taking up spaces where these topics are being discussed. So then therefore we're not being left behind or manipulated to say we're not involved. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it does change also, you know, what Latinos were talking about. Like we mentioned at the beginning, we can say that what we're saying applies to everyone, absolutely everywhere. Um, we are seeing, you know, different types of investments from institutions because I think there's a lot of institution work that needs to happen just like at the personal level. Also, there are institutions like you were mentioning, you know, democratic clubs and uh, big organizations that are renowned, allowing leadership to look like us, you know, yeah. and and not only allowing it, but embracing it, uplifting it, supporting it, uh, trusting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really depends on where we are talking about, for example, Florida. We're seeing that uh, that's probably the state that has the most amount of Republican Latinos, uh, while we see Pennsylvania, for example, that has the most amount of Democratic Latinos, at mm-hmm. least from the go- gubernatorial races that we've seen now in, in 2022, and the same applies for the Senate. So, um, and, and Rita, please correct me when we mm-hmm. when we think when I don't know if you can bring it up right now, but the yeah. demographics of Latinos in Florida is the makeup heavily Cuban. Yeah, it's mostly Cuban and Puerto Rican. Um, and when you compare Cuban uh, party registration versus non-Cuban Latinos, so mm-hmm. everyone else, Cubans represent 67 percent Republican and 31 percent Democrat. So that's where the big, mm-hmm. big number of Latinos uh, Republican. Latinos are coming from everyone else on non-Cuban Latinos is pretty much a 50-50 although um, it's still you know there there has been a lot of misinformation and also a lot of investment from the Republican Party in in Florida and I think it's also one of the things I think when we're looking at Latino populations for examples very specifically for Florida Mm -hmm. very specifically for Cubans is to acknowledge that I think there is a sense of generational values that we're bringing with us as well as generational trauma right you look at why why, i asked myself that question why would cubans be more conservative right what are cubans afraid of and when i think about cubans i look at many cubans fleeing cuba Mm -hmm. because of the political um oppression that was happening right and when i hear a lot of people talking about more government being involved um, a lot of these folks are anti-socialism and that is a lot of the fear of if we start making room for you know more social projects we may get an America, a United States that is a sh- socialist country now. And I think that's part of the political uh, trauma yeah. that some of these folks are holding on to as to why they're not 
why they're voting very specifically. Yeah. And, you know, there's has been a lot of effort from the Republican Party to label the Democratic Party as, you know, communist, socialists, um, and saying how it's going to turn into, you know, the countries that a lot of people flee from. Um, so I think you're 100% right. There's a lot of that political financial trauma. You know, 74% of Latinos in Florida who said inflation was their most important issue, for example, voted for a Republican candidate. Um, so there is a lot of uh, that fear of, you know, seeing the U.S. turn into the country that they left. Um, there, I think there's a lot of hope, though, when you break down the data in Florida by age, uh, you see that. 80, 18 to 29 years old uh, Latinos, 56% of them are Democrats versus 39% are Republicans. And that uh, those numbers pretty much flipped when you look at 65 plus. So that means that that political trauma from people that are, you know, older than 45 or 65 percent continues following them and continues informing the decisions that they take in 22 elections, while younger generations are more uh, left leaning. Um, and this, the numbers are the same, uh, virtually the same between men and women. Um, the the difference is, is pretty much split close to 40, 50 percent. Um, but I think it's very hopeful to see that even in a state like Florida that has had so much misinformation, so much more investment from the Republican Party, has so many more of this, you know, p- potential political trauma following them. There's still a younger generation that is leaning Democrat that is probably listening to um, some of those messages that you were mentioning earlier, Yesenia, about LGBTQ um, acceptance and embracing uh, versus more conservative messaging of, you know, grooming and and other nonsense that they share. And I would recommend, too, is have these conversations with your Latino friends, right? Mm -hmm. Have these conversations with your family. Have all these conversations because, especially when it comes to Latino topics, Latino politics, there's no one greater that's going to be able to talk about Latinos than Latinos themselves, right? right? And I think it's super crucial. Like, for example, um, what Rita's saying, we're looking very specifically at Florida, where there has been a lot of time invested, money invested, by no means... I mean, that little jingle of ay, 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 por Dios, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, the little music video was really cute. It was like very Havana vibes. It was very flashy, all things that Latino loves love. But that is to say that let's make sure that we're being very, very intentional, right? We have a lot of young Latinos that my biggest um, advice to you is get educated on the topics, get educated on the politics, understand how inflation works. Because if you knew more about inflation, you would understand the president does not oversee the inflation. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're seeing inflation in the United States, but we're also seeing inflation in Spain and in other parts of the world, let's connect the dots, y'all. Like, come on, really? Um, But it's so crucial to have these conversations. And so, uh, Rita, let's, let's talk about how can we promote Latinos so that we can have more of a voice, whether it be on a local or national level when we're talking about the Democratic Party? Ah, I think we're talking a little bit about this before the episode started. And it's like this, you know, chicken and the egg situation. Like, how do we support more Latino leadership and get more people involved? But how do we get the people involved to begin with? And, you know, I think you had mentioned that you had seen cities near here in California that 
had so much more Latino representation like Oxnard and Ventura and Santa Barbara. Um, and the, when I, I think about those cities or counties, what I think about is like the big Latino institutions that are in those cities and counties that, you know, have Latinos in leadership, but also Latinos uh, shaping the cities and the counties and just having a strong voice advocating for all Latinos. And so when you have institutions uh, that are thriving, that are organized, then having those Latinos leaders is it, it comes out normal, you know, mm -hmm. it comes out a lot more easily. And the, having the support of the community, it's a lot easier than just coming up with a leader in a pool of, of white non Latinos. Mm -hmm. So I, I think or County specifically has so much more work to do on building those organizations that are Latino serving that are Hispanic serving. Um, and that really are by Hispanics for Hispanics. So I think we as a county, for example, we're probably maybe 10 years away from seeing something like what we're seeing in Santa Barbara and Ventura. But, you know, I think building our own groups, organizing ourselves mm -hmm. and starting, you know, like 2030 is going to arrive very soon mm -hmm. <laughs> in 2023. Yeah. And yeah. we have to be ready for that census. So. Yeah. How do we utilize things that are long term mm -hmm. and and use them for short term organizing mm -hmm. to, you know, yeah. have those results that we want to see in 2030? Yeah. And I think, too, when we when we look at Latino leadership is how do we grow it? I think you encourage those people that are doing great things. Right. And you yeah. uplift them. And um, and there's and I think you you have to really do some real investment into recognizing the people that are doing the work, for example, um, specifically, I think to San Luis Obispo, and I always say this, there are some amazing Latinos already out there, right? Mm -hmm. Doing amazing things, but what is it going to get them to go to the next level to actually run for something, whether it be school board, whether it be commissions, whether it be city council or other positions, um, maybe even, um, heading up different, um, nonprofits, things like that. I, I think if what what I would like to see happen from allies is to intentionally start pouring water and growing Latino leadership. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you are asked to run for something, say, is there is there a Latino that we have already reached out to? Um, yeah. if you see someone in the community yeah. who is doing great work, ask them, talk to them, say, Hey, how can I, how can I support what you're doing? Yeah. How can I help you? Is there something that you need help with? Mm. Um, and all of those things I think will eventually build a confidence of people running for office because if people of color, and I'm going to just be very specific here, since we're talking about Latinos, if Latinos don't feel safe to be heard or respected, or to be uh, embraced, I don't think they're going to move in circles. Like, for example, here specifically with San Luis Obispo County that we are behind is, mm -hmm. how do we expect someone to truly put themselves in a space when they're when they're already outnumbered, right? You're already yeah. outnumbered um, in campaign financing, you're already outnumbered in connections, mm -hmm. you're already outnumbered. And if you do win, you're going to be sitting on a board with a bunch of um, white people that may not have that lived experience as you do, right? Possibly. <laughs> um, so there, there are all things that are very real that we have even seen in the past, Rita, where sometimes we do get that Latino candidate that does serve and then either they, they, step, down, they step down 
or they're not able to finish. And, you know, there's so many things that <laughs> add, add to the circumstances, but I think at the end of the day, it comes down to support and encouragement. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, if you are listening to this podcast and you are on a club, you are, um, you know, being a, a a campaign manager, you are looking into setting up for school board, um, city council, things like that. I think it's now, you know, just, just because what do they say? Um, you don't see the fruits of your labor the moment that you plant the seed. Yeah. So if we want to see more Latinos move up the ranks, starting locally, which the Republicans do such a great job is they focus on the local elections mm-hmm. and then gradually move someone up to the national mm-hmm. level. We have to start planting the seeds and really watering them so that we can have fruit um, maybe four years from now. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, if you're listening and you have a position or you if you know any Latino uh, Hispanic person that you think you want to uplift you know do that and share their work be the megaphone uplift them share your platform to share the work that they are doing because yeah you're right there's so many latinos that are here in in our county that are doing so much 20 right now yeah and we shouldn't be right for the amount of representation that we have which is close to zero um you would think that we wouldn't be able to name so many but but we we can because they're out there but Mm -hmm maybe they are seeing also politics as something that they just don't want to get involved with because it is toxic because it, it currently the current environment might just not might feel hostile to them and it's and it's negative even even rita i had a situation someone who is a progressive someone who is an ally attacking me on social media publicly mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's not appropriate. And then so it's yeah. like, how are we investing into those communities of color, right? Yeah. When we say we're an ally, when we say we're promoting, when we're, and it's creating accountability. And I will say this to, to the Latinos that are listening to this podcast is we need to have, um, we need to, we need to make sure that we're uplifting one another. Yeah. Because even that has been my experience with that, even when I have quote unquote white allies who are preaching one thing and practice a different thing. Trust me, the love and support hits differently when it's people that are within that are Latinos. Yeah. Um, and I see that too with the black community. I see that too with the Asian community, which is why we want to see also that change as Latinos, we need to be supportive towards one another and really uplift one another. And I think, and that's, and that's the other thing too, Rita, that, and, and I'm going to throw this out to the universe um, now is, you know, I would love to see um, a Latino candidate run and to have Latinos um, be heavily involved in that campaign. Yeah. Right. Have a Latino person be the head of strategy, be another Latino, be the head of communications, be, you know, doing the Facebook, um, this and that. And and I think that's the way that we inspire other people in our own community, uh, especially the younger generation, which I think is going to be a, a monumental, a monumental part of our communities is making sure that we're laying the tracks for the younger generation, which we know there is a fast growing of young Latinos. Yeah, and it's happening here too. I'm pretty excited about them. Um, I see them doing the work. So if you know a young Latino, young Hispanic person, young uh, immigrant, uh, first generation, 
please support them. Please give them a shout out. Please check in with them and say, hey, how can I help you? Um, even finding a job or getting a reference, whatever you can, um, I it, it can mean a lot and can make a huge difference. Um, like Yesenia mentioned, we don't see the fruits uh, when we plant the seed. So who knows, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's an exciting time, Rita. I think we're all going to rest for maybe uh, a week. Um, now we already rested and then we're going to get back on the on the train of investing and growing and I know for me um you know I've I've decided that my biggest mission in life is pushing BIPOC people in politics yeah so you know if if you are an ally you're listening to this um you know I ask that you really start embracing BIPOC people. I'm, I'm, you know, especially after coming from all the marches and all this stuff, we keep on being excited about, okay, let's put our money where their mouth is and really start focusing on um, Latino leadership. And I would love to see that specifically here in San Luis Obispo because we are in dire need. And just so that the people um, who are listening to this podcast, so that you have some context as to what I'm talking about and what Rita was coughing about uh, was, for example, Paso Robles is a prime uh, example of this, that, you know, we have been pushing for diversity. We had a Latina put her name in the appointed seat, as well as running a campaign. Huge shout out to Adelita Haichu for all your amazing work. We appreciate you. And um, like I said, we were talking about like 20 people that we can name off. Yet only one Latino stepped forward to put their name out there. And then right now we're facing a special election, which um, right now it's crickets out there for Latino representation. And keep in mind that our school district is made up of 55% Latino children. And yet we still don't have that voice. So number one, we need Latinos to register to vote. Right. Because I think if we would have had a bigger pool from Latino voters, I think Adelita could have won and also more Latinos uh, participating in the campaign process, Mm -hmm. as well as being that supportive role to a Latina woman. So, yeah, all things that we can do, we can embrace, we can take self accountability, we can take accountability for that. We need to go ahead and start being very intentional. And part of the reason why you have to be intentional in these groups for people is how powerful would that have been Rita, to have a Latina Latino um, representing in your, for example, city council yeah. where a Spanish speaker goes to take up public comment and they want to speak in Spanish, that they have someone who looks like them, someone who understands the struggle, someone who can talk to them in Spanish and comprehend where they're coming from. Yeah. I think lived experience is so powerful and that is truly what's going to change our county and make it even a better place for everyone is that representation yeah and i i think uh, i feel like there's an elephant in the room when um we don't talk about the fact that so many latinos might not want to run for anything or even get involved because not much changes for them regardless of who's in power right and this is a message to all of our elected officials and anyone that works with an elected official or, or with candidates that if we don't actually deliver for Latinos, whether it's in economics or a specific policy or neighborhood, yeah, if we don't deliver, we can't expect them to care, right? Because it it doesn't make a difference whether you're Republican or Democrat. I don't don't really care because you're not changing my day-to-day. Like, I'm thriving Mm -hmm. because of my hard work, even though there are, you know, 
layers and layers of, of decisions that were made by those politicians, there's not a real clear impact from uh, politics to Latinos' uh, lives. So mm-hmm. when we can, when it's in the news that we can't get DACA through, when the mm-hmm. immigration uh, laws are being used as bargaining chips, mm-hmm. when we don't actually have any policy that I can think of that is specifically tailored for Latinos, overall Latinos or Hispanics or immigrants, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we can name a, a good amount of, of policies that are being made for uh, the community, then we can ask that community to step up and care and put their neck on, you know, when they know that most likely their friends and families are going to say, why are you running? Why right. are you getting involved? And I think that's the other part, too, I think, where it's, you know, we're, we're t- we just talked about self-accountability, but now also put it, putting accountability at the powers that be, right? And I think that's why when you when you say everything you just said Rita, i think that part is why i have heard my deals dia's friends not want to vote it's yeah why why vote why even vote for the dem yeah. party why yeah. vote for them if we're not I vote not at getting, all we're not gonna yeah. get immigration it's our and it's and it's a tokenized yeah. um power pull right mm-hmm. power grab to say oh we're gonna give you something yeah right we're gonna give you we're gonna give yeah. daca something and that's i think that's been my hardest um sell point for people to try to encourage them to vote when it is true it's you know why vote? Why vote if it's yeah. if it's not going to create drastic change for you or your family? But what I can say is also if you're not participating, that is even more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I do want to give a shout out today, uh, the county uh, board of supervisors swearing in ceremony. Uh, Supervisor Don Ortiz Leg reminded us, I had forgotten actually, that she is the first Latina in Slow County to be a supervisor. And she's also the first Latina with indigenous American heritage. So um, you know, we're we're moving forward even here in Slow County, Texas. <laughs> we just flipped the board. We have a, a Latina, Latina heritage um representative. And so, you know, let's be real. Like Jimmy Paulding, Bruce Gibson, Dorothy Slag as county supervisors as the new majority, they have a lot to prove and a lot of work now on their shoulder, which I reminded the people today that attended the ceremony. Like it took a village to get them elected. It's gonna take a village to also support them and keep them accountable but like you mentioned if you if we elect people that we think represent us better but we don't actually are there to support them and we leave them in an environment that they don't have the tools they don't have the support they don't have the inspiration they don't have the strength they don't have anyone uplifting them and helping them do their work then you know it's just not going to happen so now I think it's up to all of us to you know kind of take a look at what we have been working for so long what we have what we have achieved and how do we make it sustainable but yeah i think that was a good breakdown of the Lenovo. like we mentioned yeah. we, we dove into florida data the data is very different in texas uh the data is very different in california uh but i think seeing what what is happening in florida might help us understand what is it that we don't what we don't want to see happening here in California yeah and yeah. and obviously change is very intentional so yeah. let's just not take things for granted that yeah. even though we live in California let's not take that for granted yeah. it's gonna involve 
bring others. I want to see more young Latinos being involved, more young Latinos taking to the streets, more young Latinos using your bilingual voice, speak, yeah. speaking in Spanish, um, being unapologetic, being authentic to who you are, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that you show up to the room and you're not afraid to show up for who, who you are. And I think there is a lot of that too, Rita, is um, how do people show up? And and for, for a Latino, that can be uh, being a Latino, maybe not speaking Spanish, right? Yeah. Or being a Latino and being proud of you speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. It can be anything that you want to be, but just know that we need you. We need you to participate and we need you to go ahead and bring more people with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, next episode, we might be talking a little bit about what's happening in Paso Robles now with this special election. We might be talking more about how we get institutions to support uh, democratic candidates, democratic leadership. We might be talking about other happenings. Who knows what fire is going to start in next week because we're <laughs> never allowed to celebrate for too long. Um, but in the meantime, uh, take a breath, um, take a look around your community, see, identify those uh, Hispanic leaders and uplift them. Yes. And share this podcast. Yeah, share this podcast. This is a Latina yeah. ran podcast. Show us yeah. some love. Share this it with is, your friends. This is Cute. by Latinas, for Latinas. So share yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. So that's it. Have a good week. Have a good year. We'll be back. Bye.